Who can say if I've been changed for the better, that because I knew you, I have been changed for good? Those lyrics are from the song For Good from the musical Wicked. Now, some of you will remember a few years ago when two of our graduating seniors, Taylor and Grace, sang that duet in their final youth group Sunday. There was not a dry eye in the house. So I almost tried to show a video of that, but I didn't want to sob during my sermon. So decided that was not a great idea. It's a beautiful song, though. You should listen to it if you don't know it already. So instead, today, I'll repeat those lyrics. Who can say if I've been changed for the better? But because I knew you, I have been changed for good. We all have been changed by our relationships, by the events in our lives, by the forces in the larger world. On the smallest scale, I think of every interaction as an opportunity for change, both in me and in the other person. I believe that if there is an exchange of ideas, emotions, energy between me and another person, I am changed, even if only for a moment, even if only a tiny bit. When events happen in our lives, say the loss of a loved one, the change can feel so strange. Like everyone else is going on with their normal lives, except our lives will never be the same. And we're supposed to accept and adapt and act normal. It is, of course, impossible to talk about change in this day and age and not talk about the pandemic. The sheer number of changes we have collectively endured over the last three years is mind boggling. The early days especially felt so difficult. If they would just be clear and stop changing their minds was something I thought on a regular basis. Don't buy masks, they don't help. Masks help, but we don't have enough of them. Sew fabric masks to save lives. Fabric masks aren't as good. Ditch them for KN95s. I felt battered about by all those changes, unable to assess what was true and for how long it would be true. Even now, this new change to pretending that COVID is over and there aren't still people dying from it every day feels like yet another change over which we have little control. This much change is flat out exhausting. If you are tired, if you are exhausted, you are not alone. This change has been so hard to embrace. Other changes in our lives are much more welcome. As you know, some of you, this fall, I assisted Reverend Alice with a class called Trans Inclusion in Congregations, which was developed by Alex Capitan and Michael Slack of the Transforming Hearts Collective. This class was extraordinary. It was not the simple trans 101 that some of us were maybe expecting, though we did talk about pronouns and bathrooms and we learned a lot about the gender revolution in the last maybe 20 years. The material was much broader than that and it was so exciting. Coupled with our group discussions, it felt transformational. If you took the class, I hope you feel like what we learned and discussed changed you for the better. If you didn't take the class, I hope you ask someone who did to tell you about it. There were maybe 18, give or take, of us in that class, which is a decent portion of our small yet mighty congregation. 
I'm super tempted to try to tell you every single awesome thing that was presented in this course, but I'm going to limit myself in the interest of time. One of the first things that Michael and Alex did for the class was define, or for some of us, redefine the concept of beloved community. This concept comes originally from the theologian Josiah Royce and then was popularized by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. For King, beloved community, that's capital B, capital C, was a vision for how the world can be, a vision of different people with different ideas and different experiences all coming together in common purpose. Beloved community is an, as a concept and an ideal. It is something to strive for and never quite reach. Alex and Michael told us that beloved community is not an enclave, and so a congregation cannot be a beloved community. We can only practice beloved community here and work towards it as an ideal by being in loving relationship with everyone, everyone, not just those within our literal and figurative walls. Beloved community is also not about being homogenous or like-minded, they said. This is where things get a little tough for me. In beloved community, we are not called to be like-minded. We are called to be like-hearted. This concept feels like a revelation and a revolution. I'm simultaneously comforted and unsettled by this idea when I apply it to our congregation here. The reality is many of us here are like-minded in many ways, and we find that comforting. But because of our different paths and our unique experiences, we cannot be entirely like-minded. After all, we purposefully and consciously embrace diversity in all forms, or attempt to. It follows then that if all of us at UUCL are not like-minded and homo homogenous, we will naturally have conflict. In beloved community, conflict becomes an opportunity for deeper understanding and eventually for large-scale change. It also can sometimes hurt. Alex told us that change happens when people are in relationship with one another, that proximity to another person is not enough. It is getting to know someone, listening to their truth, and not assuming they are like us in every or any way that creates change. And that sometimes our need to intellectually understand gets in the way. If we don't share a perfectly like-minded understanding with another person, how can we be together? I am beginning to let go of my subconscious expectation and desire for like-mindedness all the time, both in our congregation and in my relationships in general, and move toward a focus on listening and connection through like-heartedness. This is one of the many ways this class has changed me for the better and for good. I've been a member here for almost 10 years. In my time here, we've had four different ministers, now two of them were co-ministers, four directors of religious exploration, and two church administrators. Those are our staff. We've cycled through many governing board lineups and committee chairs. We've had members drift away, move away, and pass away. We've had many new friends walk through the door, and we've welcomed many new members in those 10 years. In this building, we put in a new exit. This didn't used to be here. We regraded that parking lot to make it more flat and accessible. And we dealt with an untold number of pests. I'm not going to list them, but trust me, <laughs> many, many pests. 
We've rewritten our bylaws and our mission statement. We replaced our pews with the chairs they're sitting in. Lots of change has happened around here in just the last 10 years. Not all of those changes have gone smoothly or without conflict. Not all of those changes have been a simple yes-no choice. None of these decisions were made alone. While we do not attempt to, uh, to make decisions through complete consensus here, we do vote on large-scale decisions. How do we want to spend our budget? How do we want to sell our pews and get chairs? What is our mission now? Personally, I've changed over my years of membership. My spirituality, sometimes agnostic, sometimes atheist, sometimes humanist, shifts and changes as I learn and grow here. I've gone from being on the edges of this congregation to being a leader during my time on the governing board. My definition of leadership has definitely changed from one that didn't include me at all to one that has space for introversion and being unsure but doing my best anyway. Those of you who have been here longer than just today, what has changed for good around here? What has changed for good inside of you because you are here? In the summer of 2020, I attended the UUA's General Assembly virtually that year because of the pandemic. While the country was wading through the racial reckoning that burst forward after the murder of George Floyd, UU congregations were reckoning with how to dismantle white supremacy, and more specifically, how can we be more welcoming to all? In one of the many workshops I attended, the presenter used an elegant model to explain individual attitudes towards change in congregations. The model is essentially a series of circles, one inside another, inside another. The outermost ring is folks who say, I don't want anybody new to come into our community. Obviously, this is complete resistance to change. The next circle in is folks who say, new folks can come in, but I don't want you to change anything. You need to figure out how we do things and we'll keep them that way forever. The next circle in is folks who say, I welcome new people and I understand that new people may bring new energy and so some things may change around here, but don't expect me to change. And the smallest circle in the middle says, I welcome new people. I welcome the change they may bring both to our community and to myself. I'm open to changing as a result of you being here. This model really resonated with me. I would love to say that I'm in that innermost circle all the time, but the reality is I'm probably often at that next circle out, the one that consciously knows that welcoming new people and including different perspectives necessarily means that things will change, but that on some level, I expect myself to be the exception. If you're a member of our congregation, which circle would you be in? What would it mean for us as a congregation if we truly embraced the ideals of beloved community? What if we focused on being like-hearted instead of like-minded? How can we move toward that inner circle and feel secure enough, open enough to being changed by being in relationship with other like-hearted people? Now, most of us know in our lives, change is inevitable but we want change to come when we're ready. We wanna choose it and often we wanna control exactly how it happens. Maybe that's just me, is that just me? Might be me. And of course, that's not how life works. 
when we have agency and can choose how we change, say we move to a new place or we quit our job or we choose to be vegetarian, we often feel empowered and in charge. When change is outside of our control, say a global pandemic, changing our lives suddenly, drastically, and for years, we can feel unmoored, adrift, and lost at sea. We can decide we will resist change as best we can, like little tree in our Time for All Ages stories holding on to our leaves, while the forest around us changes and the seasons move on. As they say, autumn teaches us how beautiful it is to let go. We have many options for how we react to change, embracing, accepting, and resisting among them. If James Luther Adams often quoted adage is true and we go to church to practice what it means to be human, what are we hoping will happen with all that practice? Are we here practicing being human with each other so that we can stay exactly the same, both as individuals and as a congregation? Or are we hoping for connection and growth with the understanding that our growth may take us in directions we cannot predict? Are we open to changing as a result of being here together? With every new member, in fact, with every new person who walks through those doors, we have the potential for change individually and collectively. This does not mean that we must change in ways that go against our deepest beliefs, principles, and covenants. I believe we can find a balance of welcoming people into our congregation and showing them the way we currently do things while being open to who they are, the gifts they bring, and the way those gifts may shape us and our collective future. May we be open to people who share our sense of purpose, who are like-hearted. May we practice being human and practice beloved community. May we be secure enough to breathe into the moments where we discover we are not all like-minded on every topic and in every discussion. May we embrace the possibility of change and celebrate the constant co-creation of our Unitarian Universalist Church of Loudoun. <laughs>